The following is produced by Artisan Church. Welcome to the Artisan Church Podcast, a weekly broadcast of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. To learn more about Artisan Church or to support the ministry, visit www.artisanchurch.com. Hear these words of scripture with me and then then I'll pray. It's from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. Uh, verses 32 through 41. Jesus says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give alms, make purses for yourself that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return, to return from the wedding banquet, so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt, have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so ready, blessed are those slaves. But know this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. And then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for everyone? Let's pray. Father God, turn to your word now, uh, because in it we find life. We find uh, hope. We find direction. And we echo Peter's prayer. Is this word just generic, some good stuff to know? Or is it truly for us, each one of us individually, wherever we are, whatever our circumstance is? And if so, would you speak that word clearly? So that not only can we hear it, our mind can understand it, our hearts can feel and our wills can move to action. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. So we're here in the middle of this uh, parable series, right? Scott kicked off the first two. Mike's going to wrap up the last two, which is very exciting. Uh, don't worry, I'm going to be around as a citizen for those as well. Uh, but I get the, the middle, uh, which has the... Uh, added distinction of being the last time that I I preach in this capacity as one of your pastors here. So take a deep breath, right? (laughs) But I love that question that Peter asks. Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for everyone? When we come to Scripture, that's a question we should always be asking. And the answer to to either parts is is helpful. Is this just something in general those who seek to follow you should know? Is there some tidbits of wisdom in there that we might gain and glean and gather and put into practice in some generic sense? Or is this one of those cases where this scripture speaks very 
personally, very specifically to me, either because of the nature of the passage itself or one of those moments that hopefully you've had where the Holy Spirit just takes this word that was kind of for everyone and then makes it very clear that in this situation, it is very much for me. It's very much for you. So who is this parable addressing? Does it speak to me? And if it's addressing me, if it's addressing you personally, what might it require? And so Jesus responds. Peter asks a question, and Jesus, he loves throwing out the quick answers, right? Whenever someone asks him a question. No, not so much. <laughs> Jesus, wishing to teach rather than just give a quick answer, instead asks them some questions and expands on this parable and begins to address this idea of what does it mean to be ready at all times, to be prepared? What does it mean? How much is enough? Whether it's serving or giving or leading, If I'm going to be doing this, following Jesus and living my life this way, is there meaning fulfillment within that? Questions like that. Or the fact that so many of us want to do more and respond and be ready, but we're never quite sure if we have it to give. And most of us just want to know what's required. What should I be doing with this life as we await Jesus' return, that full consummation of all he inaugurated in his life, death, and resurrection. So the Gospel Luke continues, and Jesus responds in verses 42 and following. Peter asked the question, hopefully we ask the question, is this for us? In verse 42 it says, and the Lord said, who then is the faithful and prudent manager whom his master will put in charge of his slaves to give them their allowance of food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master will find at work when he arrives. Truly I tell you, he will put that one in charge of all his possessions. But if that slave says to himself, my master's delayed in coming, and if he begins to beat the other slaves, men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour when he does not know, and will cut him in pieces. It's the first biblical reference to ripping you a new one right there. Will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. That slave who knew what his master wanted, but did not prepare himself, did not prepare herself, or do what was wanted, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. So he grades on a curve, at least in that scenario. Um, so if life's going to give you a beating... Uh, we should let it be for the right reasons. It should not be because we're not ready, we're not prepared, we don't know what's going on. 
And like he said in verse 35, be dressed for action. Have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return. So as I have this last opportunity in this capacity to preach God's word, I just want to be very simple and clear, mostly because it gets too complicated. I'll choke up and you know, mess it up anyways. But, but the idea of being prepared for whatever Jesus would call you, because this isn't just a word for kind of generically everyone. It's a word for me and you and you and you. And then Jesus finishes. So remember, Peter asked the question, is this for us or for everyone? How does this apply to me? And Jesus finishes with this. From everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. And from the one to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. So what is Jesus' answer to our question? Is this for us or not? What's his answer to Peter's question? He simply says, to whom much has been given, much will be required. Have you been given much? Have I? (laughs) Depending how we answer that question determines whether this applies to us or not. So I'll give you a chance to think about how much or little you feel like God's poured into your life. Uh, and just speak a little bit about what he's poured into my life very recently. Uh, only a few weeks ago, within the span of less than a week, uh, three pretty monumental events happened in my life. I would say much has been given to me by God. The first was, as we are kind of here today in somewhat recognition of that, was that I was offered an incredible new ministry role. And I say it was incredible to make clear that it would have to be for me to stop doing this here and go do something new. I was offered and accepted this this role as the associate superintendent for the East Coast Conference of the family of churches we're a part of. Uh, Artisan is blessed to be part of the Evangelical Covenant Church. We exist. We were started some five, six years ago as a church plant uh, with all their support and oversight and coaching. and, And we're here in part of the Great Lakes Conference where Artisan is located. But I was offered this position to be the associate superintendent for this area that stretches from Maine, where I grew up, down to Virginia, where I occasionally vacation. I I did not grow up there. Uh, And all points in between. And I've been given the opportunity to not just have this title, uh, as really fancy as that may sound, Uh, associate to the superintendent, I think it'll say on my shirt. Uh, But the major role of that, for those who know me at all, know this makes my heart beat fast, the major responsibilities as director of church planting. And so here I am having 
been involved in five church plants over my ministry career, this being the most recent and the most fruitful and, and wonderful, now having been given, being entrusted, if you can believe such a thing, with the oversight, the screening, the coaching, the walking alongside men and women who are far more gifted in, than me at church planting. Sorry, one guy that I'll be working with, he's in New York City, Michael Carrion. Uh, he emailed, I'm not even on the job, except, of course, of course, I kind of am. Uh, he has 10 guys in New York City that are ready to do church planting. And Christ is entrusting me to decide if and when and who. That's craziness. I've been given much. And then, that happened on Friday night uh, with uh, my, my new superintendent, Howard Burgoyne. Burgoyne. <laughs> he will be listening to the MP3. <laughs> but the contract is signed, and I already bought the MacBook Pro, so I think I'm good. But Howard took Lisa and I out to dinner. We were at the uh, annual meeting, and there's some details there in the bulletin. You guys sent us there as, as your delegates, your representatives. Uh, he offered us the job over, I had a big steak, and Howard and I shared a bottle of wine. Uh, Lisa had just a, just a sip. Uh, that happened Friday night. Then on Sunday, I was ordained. I was ordained to Word and Sacraments, this permanent credential within the Evangelical Covenant Church. doesn't mean now I'm a, uh, a real pastor. Uh, it just means now I'm, that's recognized even more fully. And, uh, and that was an amazing experience as well. The, the worship service that that was a part of, these men and women that had gone before us who were being ordained. In fact, I got to stand next to uh, Frank Catalano, who is a church planter about a year and a half into it in Sanford, Maine. I've gotten to know him for the last year without even knowing this job was going to happen. So Frank and I got to experience it together, me with one of my church planters I'm going to work with now. Uh, but to kneel there as these other pastors, and they got a, a woman with her hand on one shoulder, a man with his hand on the other, pray for us, lay hands on us. I've been given much. Us. Uh, they gave us all these uh, really nice Bibles to commemorate that as a recognition of, um, of the ministry that, that we take on as pastors. Here's apparently what I'm being entrusted with. Receive this book. Here are the words of eternal life. Learn from them, live in them, and proclaim Christ, the living word. Keep watch over the whole flock in which the Holy Spirit has appointed you shepherd. Now apparently I'm a shepherd to shepherds of flocks. That's a, that's a lot of responsibility. Encourage the faithful, restore the lost, build up the body of Christ, that when the chief shepherd shall appear, you may receive the unfailing crown of glory. In other words, be ready. Be ready. And the other fancy thing I got, you don't see a lot of this in our, uh, in our setting here, 
We sort of have low church taste with the occasional high church stuff thrown in. Uh, But this stole was placed over me. I think it goes good with my uh, Vibrams myself. (laughs) And this wasn't like some suit and tie, look how important I am. This was the yoke of Christ. This is a representation of, of when he took that cloth and washed the feet of his disciples. So I was given that responsibility. I was entrusted with much. And then on Wednesday of that week, I turned 40. So I joked with a lot of folks, because we didn't know if I was getting the job yet. Uh, you know, last minute they may have found out something and the ordination could have been yanked, though I was probably okay with that one. Uh, and turning 40, that could have either been a very bad week or a really great one. For me, it turned out to be a really great one. But 40, some of you are, you know, on the sunrise side of that date. A few of you, you're in the afternoon, evening of, <laughs> of that Uh, And probably at 30, at 20, at 50, at 60, we all have these different perspectives, but there's something about 40 for me where it's, I hope it's not quite the halfway point, but it's getting pretty close. Whereas I look back, I'm looking over about as much life as when I look ahead. And there's something about that perspective that is a gift, that there's still time to be ready and there's enough experience and wisdom, quote unquote, to learn from the first 40 years. And by God's grace, plenty of chance to then apply that and share it. So as I look at my life and I ask this question, is this, just, is this parable just sort of for all of us to have some little tidbits of wisdom, you know, kind of be ready you know, look busy when Jesus shows up, that sort of thing. Or is this really for me? Well, have I been given much? Yeah. So apparently, much is required of me. How about your question with that? Ask yourself that question. Have I been given much? And how should I respond? For me, as I looked at the opportunities, particularly this this new role as director of church planting, associate superintendent for, as Scott said a week or so ago, for for half the eastern seaboard of a rather large nation, uh, you know, I could have said, ah, I, I can probably stick here. And that would have messed up some things for Scott's calling and, and Mike finally, you know, you know, having a work situation that wasn't so soul-crushing. Uh, <laughs> uh, but there's a sense that I could have, I could have probably pulled that off. Uh, I probably could have gone and done an easier thing than being a church planting pastor at Artisan, or certainly an associate and director of church planning. I could have gone and been a pastor at an established church where the problems have already, like, you know, 20, 30, 40, 120 years old, and 
you know, well-defined, and mostly they just need to be managed at that point. Uh, that could have been easy, and, but I knew I'd been given much, and so I had to say yes to that offer as God was calling me. How about in your life? Have you been given much? If you haven't, if you don't think that's true of you, which I can't tell your story for you. If you sit there and think to yourself, I've been given Jack. (laughs) Then at least for now, you're off the hook. If you don't see that you have resources, blessings, freedoms, breath for another day, Not much is required of you. So if that's you, uh, don't worry. If, however, (laughs) you're sitting there thinking, I've been given much. For those particularly who are followers of Jesus, and whether that happened recently or in years past, and you realize... My sins are forgiven. Christ laid down his life for me. He's given me breath to live another day and hopefully many more. Yeah, I've been given much. If you have added blessings and resources on top of that, of if you're sitting in this room, in this country, you know, there's a whole bunch that automatically accrues to you. But to then look around and say, I have family. And if you don't have biological family, that feels like much of a gift. You certainly have this family. Even if you're here for the first time today, it is not an empty promise for me to say, this is an incredible family of faith that will welcome you in. I think almost every hand would go up right now that has come would say, I have found a great family here. And so how do you respond? (laughs) Well, I can't answer that because this parable is for you. I suspect you're not supposed to be the associate superintendent of the East Coast Conference because that one's taken. (laughs) And I will fight you for that one. But is it making a change in your marriage? Have you been given much? Well, you know what? And maybe that's required of you. Is it how you parent your kids? You've been given kids. You've been entrusted with a lot. God demands something of you. Are you a student or soon to be one? That you can have an education at the level, all jokes aside, you're given an opportunity. What are you going to do with it? Are you meant to start a new business, go say hi to a neighbor, give away 90% and live on 10 instead of the other way around? I don't know. This parable's for you. 
And you have to answer that part. As you came in, some of you, at the beginning of the service, there was a worship meditation rotating there in the screen from this great 20th century uh, pastor, author, theologian, real deep thinker. Uh, not necessarily a happy guy most days, uh, but that sometimes is our lot in life. But Reinhold Niebuhr, he died in 1971 when I was one years old. Uh, he died in 1971 when many of you weren't born. So. But here's what he said about what might be demanded of us, what as followers of Jesus we might be called to. Oh, and let me say this. For those who aren't followers of Jesus and are here seeking and searching, have you been given much? That question's for you also. Because at the very least, you've been given another day to work that through, to respond. But here's what uh, our friend Reinhold says. He says, the whole Christian adventure, what a great description, the whole Christian adventure is frustrated continually, not so much by malice, not by bad people and disobedience in some outwardly malicious way, but no, it is frustrated continually, not so much by malice as by cowardice and reasonableness. For some of us, it may be the cowardice one, that we fear fully responding. That's not really the one that's on me. If anything, I have a, a diminished, healthy sense of fear in my life. I tend to jump in the middle of things. So far, they've worked out, but, but I can be a very reasonable person. And you may look at what you've been given and say, I've been given much. However, I'm a little worried about taking this risk. Or Really, at this stage of life, it would not be reasonable to ask this much of me. God wouldn't ask that. I, there must be some other scriptures that have caveats to the uh, even more will be demanded line. And so this could sit on us as a fairly heavy weight to think, all right, much is required, even more is demanded. And we could come away from this, and I could leave you with some kind of depressing words. But did you catch the order that Jesus gave this in? What does he say? First, he says, much has been given. Then more is required. It's first that he entrusts us with little things and greater things. Then more is demanded. And if we were asked to take on this adventure 
of following Jesus whenever and wherever and however he calls us, without the resources, without his trust and faithfulness in our lives, then it would be unreasonable for us to do that. We would rightly tremble with earthly human fear. But no, we've been given much. We've been entrusted with much. That came first. We didn't earn it. We can't pay it back. It's been given as a gift. And now we get to respond out of those endless resources. Now we get to take the risks and occasionally fail and slip back into sin and know that God's faithfulness in Christ does not give up on us. And so, do that self-assessment. What have you been given? Make that mental list. Maybe write it down. Especially if you feel like life's sucked a little bit lately or for years. You probably rehearse that list a lot. Try this list instead for a while. And I'm not guaranteeing they're going to balance out and you're just going to end your day with a big smile on your face. Uh, life may still be kind of rough, but you'll know what you have at your disposal. But make that list of those resources, those abilities, those freedoms, those incredible opportunities, those relationships. And then I'd challenge us. still as one of your pastors for a few more days, that we would also do that together as a church. Because a church is not merely some loose collection of individuals. It is the body of Christ expressed locally. And I think in this coming season, it is very worthwhile for this church to ask of itself, what have we been given? And if you don't feel like you have many resources or many opportunities or many gifts and talents to go around, then again, you're off the hook. But if you recognize that this is a freak show of unbelievable gifts and talents, that this is just an overwhelming collection of people whose lives have been changed by Jesus, that the makeup in all its relative diversity yet as we look at the concentrations here largely represented are people who aren't at churches. Young, highly educated, and again, I apologize if, you have, if you're 82 and only went to eighth grade. You're okay here also. Chances are you'll learn some things over the year that some of us uh, PhD candidates still don't really know. So, uh, young men, seriously? Folks like you don't come together and follow Jesus. 
in any great numbers, and yet you're here. And so my hope and prayer, as I visit occasionally, as I pray for you, is that I'll hear great reports of the great things you're doing because of what God has given you in Christ. And I expect that of you. I really do. But I'm not the one whose standard you need to live up to. So you can blow that off. Jesus, however, I would not recommend ignoring him. He's given you much. He's entrusted you with much. And therefore, much is demanded. And so let me close with another favorite quote of mine. It's a much more positive note than uh, the Niebuhr's, you know, kind of dismal measure of the church most days. It's from W.H. Auden, who was contemporary with, with Niebuhr, in fact, was deeply inspired by his writings. He was a troubled guy, uh, from all I can tell, sought to, to follow Jesus faithfully, had his own set of issues and setbacks and things that I actually think a lot of folks at Artisan would really resonate with. But this is one of my favorite quotes. Here's what he says. He says, he is the way. Follow him. Follow him through the land of unlikeliness, and you will see rare beasts and have unique adventures. Let's pray. God, I for one thank you that you do remove our burdens, the sin and guilt and mistakes and pain, self-inflicted and brought on by others, that you actually do offer to remove that burden from us. But then I'm even more thankful that you place a new burden on us, one that's lighter, one that fits us well, but that we carry nonetheless. Thank you that you yoke us together with Christ to live and serve and give and follow faithfully. And thank you that you do not give us a spirit of cowardice, but your perfect love that casts out all fear. And the only fear that remains is that holy and reverent awe that an eternal and holy and righteous God would choose the likes of us to work his will through, to bring his kingdom into being. And thank you that you're not a reasonable God, but you take crazy risks by involving us and calling us and giving us indeed the freedom to reject that call. And I thank you, God, that though we bring nothing to the table, you choose to pour yourself into us so that we have all the blessings and resources 
and freedoms and opportunities we would ever need to take not only that first step of faith for those of us who don't yet follow you as Lord and Savior, but also to keep putting one foot in front of the other and to stop at times and lend a hand to someone else and put an arm around another, to turn back and get those who are falling behind. You keep pouring yourself into us. And you never demand more without first giving us what we need. You never require more without first showing us your trust and faithfulness. And so we thank you that not only do your scriptures contain words and parables and stories and history, that's for everyone, but it contains words that are for us personally. And my prayer is that each person here has received that word today and will respond We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we have something pretty special this week. Uh, Now, every week we spend time, uh, we have the opportunity uh, to approach the table, and we, of course, will do that again today. We also have the chance to celebrate uh, someone who does believe Christ has given him much and trusted him with something great, and therefore he should respond. And so in a moment, we will baptize here in these waters. And uh, this right here is water from, from the last baptism we did in here. In fact, there's some parts per million in here of even the water that I baptized my own children in two years ago. And I just think it's a wonderful symbol to, uh, to just represent this unbroken story. Because baptism is that rite of initiation that was entrusted to those first followers of Jesus to carry out and carry on. And if at any point a generation had said, we're done, we wouldn't be here today. And so, let me ask Rob uh, to come on up and let me grab a microphone for you, Rob. Rob, why don't you stand here, uh, I don't know, stand here on the water side, because you're the one going in. Right. So this is Rob. Rob has uh, been part of Artisan here for well over a year, right? Uh, no, not about five or six months. About 10, 9, 11, 6 months, something like that. <laughs> I know Rob real well. Actually, I do know Rob well, and it felt like I've known you longer. Um, so I think that's a good thing. I, I'm not sick of you, so. 
Uh, I'm getting that here anyway, so uh, <laughs> it'll make the heart grow fonder, apparently. Um, so today, Rob presents himself to the church, to this church, for the sacrament of holy baptism. And we rejoice in God's promise to those taking the significant step of faith. And so for you, you're part of this as well. For you, dear sisters and brothers in Christ, as God called and chose his servant people Israel and made covenant with them saying, I will be your God and you will be my people. So in the fullness of time, Christ called and chose Jesus Christ to fulfill this covenant for all. Through his birth, life, death, and resurrection, God has made a new covenant of grace whereby we say, I am yours and the people you have given me. And today we come to claim the promise of that new covenant, rejoicing that our Savior, Jesus Christ, instituted baptism as a visible sign of covenant making, our washing with water by the word, our habitat in Christ, crucified and risen, our bonding in water with brothers and sisters in Christ, and our solidarity with those with whom Jesus is in solidarity, and our commissioning to serve in Jesus' name. And so let us hear baptism's promise and call, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You're going to get wet anyways. Yeah. And teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always. I am with you always to the end of the age. Romans 6, 3 through 4 says, do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him by baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And so, Rob, your chance. Uh, share some of your story. And we're here till two, so <laughs> you have time. Uh, but share some of your story of what brings you to this place of, of obeying Christ and his commandment, of, of following his example, uh, who himself was baptized. Uh, tell us some of your story, Rob, and what's going on in your life right now. Well, I... I'd very much like to say that I wish I could say that it was like the, the eunuch on the road to Gaza who Philip came across and spoke the word to him and was instantly converted, but it really hasn't been like that for me. Um, and I faced some of it for a large part of my life that I've, I've really struggled with. And 
like Jason was saying, was saying, look at what we've been given, and really think of of the commitment that we have to make for that. Um, my commitment to Christ is actually something that has been on my mind a lot lately, and as I was trying to to write something to, to say today, really the, the best thing I could come up with was a letter that I'd written to a friend who asked me about what committing my life to Christ means to me. And I'd, I'd like to read that for you. You asked me what committing my life to Jesus means to me. And at first it seemed like a very straightforward question. <laughs> But the more I thought about it, the more I realized how compound the answer actually is. Although this is something that has passed through my mind on many occasions, I've never truly quantified it or explained it to someone. First and foremost, I feel that a commitment to Jesus involves believing that he truly is the Son of God and our Savior. But to me, it is also much more than that. I believe that along with the belief that he is the Messiah, we should learn from his actions during this time on earth. Jesus teaches us to forgive those who do wrong against us, and a commitment to him means that it is not enough to just say the words, because they can be empty vessels to please those around us, but to actually mean them in our hearts and truly forgive our brethren. Along with forgiveness comes generosity and helping those around us when we are able. We aren't willing to come to the aid of others who will help us when we need it. Every selfless action that eases the burden of another, no matter how small, will bring us closer to the way of the Lord. A commitment to the Lord ultimately we should strive to be humble in our actions and thankful for our gifts. A braggart or one who selfishly boasts who appear more than they are will quickly be reminded of their station. Humility is the lesson learned. Jesus tells us that his power comes from God and that the glory of his actions are God's. If the Son of God is humble about the wondrous gifts bestowed to him, surely I can be humble about my portion. It also inspires me how Jesus would use his power and wisdom to serve those around him, not to be served. And how no matter how many people he had already helped, he was always willing to help more. It calls us to heed his example and realize that the driving force behind his actions, one that is much more powerful than many realize, is love. A commitment to Christ is a commitment to unconditional love. We're not perfect, none of us. But we should strive to emulate Jesus in our hearts and our actions. We must realize that even when we feel that our hearts are full, with no extra quarter for those around us, there is always room for more. My commitment means living according to the Gospels and knowing that Jesus is the Messiah, seeking forgiveness and giving it to others not stumbling over paths of destructive behavior and helping those who do stumble. It means putting the teachings of Jesus and the love of God at the forefront of my mind in all matters. It means understanding that we are not perfect, but that God is, and that he is here with all of us. In closing, I feel that I may not have adequately expressed the depth of my feelings on the matter but I hope that I have shed some light where my heart lies. <laughs> well, Rob.
you speak nice and loud here. So I ask you, Rob, and thank you for sharing that. Having shared that testimony before these witnesses here, do you now desire to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? If so, say, I do. I do. And proclaiming this covenant with Jesus Christ, you renounce all the powers of evil and declare your opposition to a way of life in contradiction to Jesus' gospel. I do. And do you repent of your sins, confessing Christ as your Savior and Lord, and living as his faithful disciple? I do. And then will you devote yourself to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer? I will. And empowered by the Holy Spirit, will you do all in your power to participate fully in the life of the church in this congregation, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? I will. Well, come on over here, Rob. And uh, why do you stand right there for a moment? <laughs> Let me pray. God, our creator and redeemer, you've called us from death to new life. We thank you for the saving love of Jesus Christ, our Lord. For the sacrament of grace and what it means to the church. As we baptize with water, baptize with the Holy Spirit. As we speak, let it be your words. And as we act, let us do your work in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And now, let me ask you, as Rob stands here before you, for your part in this. Because the Christian nurture of Rob is not his responsibility alone or even a, a handful of close friends. But since we are members of one another in this fellowship of the church, the responsibility for caring for the newly baptized must be shared by all. You've been entrusted with that. You've been given much. And this is one of the things that's required. And in receiving and caring for Rob, will you, as members of the church of Jesus Christ, do your part by word and deed, with love and prayer, to guide and nurture Rob, encouraging him to know and follow Christ and caring for him as Christ's own? If so, say, with God's help, we will. With God's help, we will. Rob, let me step into the water. Go ahead and... Sit down there. Nothing in your pockets, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, go ahead and cover your nose and mouth there if you want. And so, Rob, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, you can come on out of that water, I suppose. Here's a corner of that, too. <laughs> oh, what a great thing to celebrate today together. What a, 
amazing privilege as one of my last uh, pastoral acts here. We'll call it the second to last. I got another one coming. It'll be the trifecta here in a moment. So Rob, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. So Rob is now received in the fellowship of the Christian church. Through the covenant of grace, God has made him a member of the body of Christ, the household of God. And with joy and thanksgiving, we welcome you into this community of faith to share with us in Christ's ministry, for we are one in Christ. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the promises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And once you had not received mercy, but now you have. Go in joy and serve the Lord. Amen. Well, you can clap again. There's... Rob's mom, Dale, <laughs> not a random, kindly woman. <laughs> Though here, that would have flown also. Uh, well, we're going to continue worshiping. How could we not respond to God's grace? And we're going to do it in the way we do every week. As, as we often say, if we screw up everything else, so hopefully we didn't today, at least the music's been good, uh, we always have the Lord's table, which reenacts all that this is for. And so, Lisa's going to be part of singing during communion. Kind of neat. Those who've been around for a while knows that she knew that she did the singing thing. She's going to join the band now. And then Jaren and Bryn are going to come up, and they're going to help me serve communion. And uh, Rob and family and friends, you guys can take communion first. But Jaren and Bryn, why don't you come up? And uh, communion will, uh, we can take our time. No need to all line up. And we're going to stand here, and Jaron and Brendan go grab the bread. And this is a great privilege for, for Jaron, Brendan, and I, and Lisa accompanying us with song uh, to serve what's been our church family. Uh, this is the only church family Jaron and Bryn have known. This is the church where they were baptized uh, by me. Uh, and so it is, uh, it is with great joy that we serve you in this sacrament, uh, the body and blood of Jesus. And so you're invited to come forward, and you can uh, we'll kind of have one and a half stations here. Uh, we'll just meet in the middle. And... Uh, tear a piece of the bread if, if it's not moving too quickly, and, and then you can dip it in either the wine or the juice uh, as a remembrance of Christ's broken body and his shed blood. And if ever there was an answer to the question, have we been given much, this speaks loud and clear. 
And so you're invited to the Lord's Supper. Come as you feel God leads you. Oh, and as you come, as the music starts, uh, I would also encourage you to remember your baptism. Perhaps after you take communion, just go by there and run your hand through the water. Maybe with a dripping hand, do the sign of the cross on your forehead. Something to just remind yourself of what you've been given. That though this is the sacrament of, of an ongoing nourishment, that right there is a sacrament of initiation, of entering in. And it's wonderful that we can remember and celebrate both here today. Uh, so approach the table and remember your baptism. Let's sing. This has been the Artisan Church Podcast. To receive future podcasts, go to www.artisanchurch.com/podcast or subscribe on iTunes. Thank you for listening.